A nearly 3,000-year-old text again seems to have been written yesterday. As we sang in that lovely new hymn on the green insert that Mary sings Magnificat, it said, in a new yet ancient song. Listen for where you are in this. We who struggle with depression or anxiety, we who are pressed down by these shortening and gloomy dead of winter days, we who feel so alienated in these holidays beset by forced cheeriness. We could cry out with the prophet Habakkuk, Oh God, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? We who have watched beloveds gunned down, we who have gone numb in the face of always another shooting, we who hold a particular besieged people somewhere in the world really closely in our hearts, we could cry out with the prophet Habakkuk. Oh God, how long shall I cry to you violence and you will not save? We who scroll Facebook, Insta, and Twitter feeds, we who read newspapers, we who listen to newscasters on radio, television, podcast, we could cry out with the prophet Habakkuk. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. We who see the world around us, we who listen to the world around us, we who breathe in this world around us, we could cry out with the prophet Habakkuk. The law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. A nearly 3,000-year-old text, again, seems to have been written yesterday. I don't even need to edit for the passing millennia (laughs) in order to join my voice to Habakkuk's lament, How long, O God, how long? Lament is where we begin. And if we linger long enough with our lament and our sense of deep longing, we may find that lament isn't just a place to land and to loiter eternally. We may find that lament is a place from which we are launched into action. As a First Testament professor from a school of theology in South Africa put it, Habakkuk's lament joins laments from all over the world in which people have found the words to name the situations of violence and injustice in their lives so resisting whatever is threatening their well-being and happiness. So resisting whatever is threatening their well-being and happiness. Lament is where we begin, and if we linger long enough with our lament and our deep sense of longing, we may find that lament is a place from which we are launched into action. The naming of the truth of injustice and violence may be the first step toward resistance. That our longing may turn into our liberation. 
Habakkuk's prayer of lament and longing on behalf of the people, a people that's already been trampled by Assyria and is about to be further obliterated by Babylon, gives way to God's response. And what is God's response? Wait. Wait? past couple of weeks as I've been sitting with Habakkuk, I've wondered, is that really the best God could do? (laughs) Wait? (laughs) What sort of response is that? Well, for better and for worse, I've decided that it is a quintessentially Advent sort of response, which makes Habakkuk a fitting pick for this first Sunday of Advent, and I think the first time I've ever preached from this book, ever. (laughs) And even as I struggle a bit against God's response of weight, which feels so inadequate, I also find myself deeply at home in this season. I'm not sure I could love Advent any more than I do, In fact, I woke up to a text this morning from a friend who knows me well saying, happy first day of your favorite season. (laughs) Uh, So my love of Advent, yes, is apparently well known. I love Advent. It's a season of lament. It's a season of naming the truth of the suffering in the world and naming the truth of our longing are watching and are waiting for God to break in somehow, some way into that suffering. In other words, it just feels really alive and true and real to me to name the truth of what is around us. All is not right with the world. Never has been. Advent is a home for that truthful naming. And so, if the waiting is always active and never passive, if the waiting is attentive to watching for signs, small signs of God's kingdom coming to earth, if the waiting is lament, which becomes resistance, if the waiting is longing, which becomes liberation, then God's response of wait becomes almost hope-filled. Because God also says in that response, write the vision. Write the vision. And if it seems to tarry, wait. We pulled this verse from Habakkuk for our Advent theme for this year about God's vision, about God's vision for a just peace for all creation, as we say every week when we light our peace lamp. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. Which, of course, begs for some Hamilton sing-along, doesn't it? (laughs) No? No Hamilton fans out there? (laughs) If the fullness of God's kingdom of love and justice and peace seems to tarry, wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. If it seems to tarry, and oh, it does, it does seem to tarry, wait for it. Watch for it. Collaborate with God and with one another in making it so. When I meet with couples for premarital counseling, I usually tell them that our sessions together will be focused on their marriage, as the couple that I most recently worked with can probably tell you. 
because the current of the wedding planning stream that they're typically swimming in is strong. Everything around them is wedding, 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 wedding. It's party favors and photographers, fittings and flower arrangements. And in our sessions, I tell them, we're going to remember that the point of the wedding is the marriage. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I love a good party. (laughs) And I also love good worship and a good ritual. So the wedding can be great fun, and it can also be a really meaningful time of covenanting, and the wedding will be over in a day. While the marriage will hopefully last a lifetime. Everything around them is wedding, 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 and here in this time and this place, I tell them in our sessions, we're going to stay focused on the marriage. And so it is with Advent, and I think part of why I love Advent so much Because the current of the stream that we are all swimming in for these weeks is strong. Everything around us is Christmas, 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 Christmas. Hustle and bustle, merry and bright, cheer and rampant consumerism. Made a wee bit better if it's fair trade. (laughs) Go support your local 10,000 villages. Most of you know that my uh, husband, John, is playing one of the Scrooges in a Christmas Carol Act Theater right now, so we don't need more than one Scrooge in our home. (laughs) I'm going to try not to be all Scroogey about Christmas, because I, too, really love Christmas. Part of me really loves at least part of the Christmas hubbub. Not all of it, but part of it. Remember, I do love a good party. But Christmas is a little like a wedding. It's going to be over in a day, or 12 days to be more precise. On the 12th day. Advent lasts a lifetime. Christmas helps us to proclaim that God has come near to us in Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, thanks be. And Advent is a home for our lament in the face of suffering and injustice. Advent is a home for our longing for liberation and the fullness of God's kingdom to come on earth. Everything around us is Christmas, 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 Christmas. And here in this time, in this place, we're going to stay a little bit more focused on Advent. And an ancient yet contemporary longing that was going to last far longer than anything you could wrap and put under a tree. Here in this time, in this We're going to stay a little more focused on Advent and an ancient yet contemporary lament that may just be a first step in a resistance that leads to our liberation. I read this week that in 1940, during the continued rise of Nazism, a church publication out of Basel, Switzerland, published a column that was titled Word on the current situation. In this column included an excerpt of all things Habakkuk. Our reading from this morning. And the military censors banned the church newspaper because they viewed this text as a critique of the Nazi regime of the time. So you see... Our excerpts from Habakkuk this morning conclude with a poetic call to faith and hope. 
And it's a poetic call to faith and hope that's so lovely that it includes that notation about stringed instruments. It should be set to a cello. And it's a poetic call to faith and hope that was so dangerous it was banned by the Nazis. How great is that? Why? Because the idea that God would end unjust power was considered too dangerous to be tolerated. Because God's vision, God's justice, is inimitable. It is an original. And it is coming. Even now, it is coming. If it seems to tarry, just you wait. God's reign of justice is coming. And proclaiming this to be true and living as though it is true is the purest form of faith that I can imagine. God's reign of justice is coming. That's faith. Proclaiming this to be true and then living as though it is true is the purest form of hope I can imagine. God's reign of justice is coming. It's a faith and a hope that is both lovely set to cellos and dangerous to the powers that be. Our reading from Habakkuk this morning concludes, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no fruit, Though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls yet. I'm not even going to read the rest of it. Because there it is. There's that pure form of faith and hope summed up in a single word. Yet. Or nevertheless. Even when there's zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless. Even when there's zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless, I will proclaim and live as though welcome is stronger than tear gas, kindness stronger than collusion. Even when there's zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless, I will proclaim and live as though shelter is stronger than shaming, companionship stronger than criminalizing. Even when there is zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless, I will proclaim and live as though justice is stronger than preserving reputations, protest stronger than profit margins. Even when there is zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless, I will proclaim and live as though truth-telling is stronger than lies and bluster, fair trade stronger than trade wars. Even when there is zero evidence to the contrary, I will proclaim and live, nevertheless, as though us and us is stronger than us and them every single time. Even when there's zero evidence to the contrary, nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. And this faith becomes defiance and hope resistance, regardless of the evidence, nevertheless, nevertheless. So may we proclaim this nevertheless hope in the world around us. May we live this nevertheless faith together. May it be so.